Well, here we are. Here we are. Saturday. I think it's April 24th. Yeah, it's April 24th. Yep. And I'm sitting here with somebody. So <laughs> I've had a pretty wild week. So, you know, bear with me as far as I'm going to try to piece together as much as a, a consistent perspective as I can, because it's been kind of all over the place. But I really do like coming back to, you know, thinking about the podcast. It's kind of the closest thing I have to a hobby right now. And I have the, the fortunate, um, I don't even know what I would say it, but I'm sitting here with a lovely lady who goes by the <laughs> name you. of Allison Whitmire. Yep. And no last names? No, that's you, fine. You cringe a little bit when I said I, your last name. It's okay. No, it's all good. I, Curtis Sternman. Hey, I'll even, uh, Curtis Alexander Sternman there. Yeah. I'll give you three. One upped. Yeah. Okay. But... It's difficult, you know, we just got to cut through it. So Allison and I, interesting story mm -hmm. to where we, we first met. First off, thank you for having me on this. Oh, that's so nice of you. Thank you. You know, sometimes I, I'll, no, no, you know, no issue to like the people who have been on, but <laughs> what a direct, like you get, just give it back, you know? Yeah. But hey, this is about me giving you the ball. Okay. So that's, that's what this back and forth is. But we met. The first one I did, the first recording I did, I mentioned that, you know, something that motivated me to do this was, you know, I was in a relationship that I put a lot of effort and I just tried really hard for things to go well and it didn't. So much like other people my age that find themselves kind of lost a little bit after, after you know, putting themselves in, in that type of relationship, giving themselves, they go to what are lovely generation has uh which are dating apps dating apps dating apps bumble high five for bumble <laughs> so not sponsored not sponsored so allison and i yes we met on bumble so yep when we first matched right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what an awkward beginning there's probably a lot of people out there cringing real hard right now yeah i quickly realized you were probably one of the nicest people that I've ever talked to just through text. Like wow. you were asking like very sincere questions. It wasn't like that awkward, like back and forth. I think one of the things that I did say was just cut, like, I hate small talk on apps. And I think I just, I think I might've said something like, we'll just cut the small talk. And yeah. And we did. And now, I, does that, has that worked for you in the past? No. So, okay. So you have your little bag of tricks and you're like, yeah, well, we all do. But I think right? we all have I'll to use it apps. on the right people too. Right. So. So you have your tells. Yeah. So yeah. we started talking and then. Uh, briefly. Briefly. Yeah. Just and a couple days. Well, you, you were like, do you want to go for a walk? And to me, yeah. like going for a walk is like, okay. Um, that's that's nice that's really nice <laughs> yeah but that could also lead down all these nice avenues mm, of like right brunch on a sunday right or you kind of open up that avenue of like right little like lacy and pearls right well almost. i don't yeah too nice right too so nice. i was like i don't know i mean i'm not like 
Not what you were looking I'm for. I'm kind of refocusing in work. Saying. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. But not to be honest, for. I'm not saying, I, I'm not going to say I was explicitly looking for something like. Right. I think we both weren't though. Right. <laughs> so anyway, the only reason why it's so awkward is because when we first started talking, it was really awkward because I didn't really know what my intentions were with everything. And to be honest, I mean, you can kind of circle that back to like why I. Which, by the way, I like to say circle around. I think circle back is kind of a beaten down phrase at this point. Yeah. Same way. Revamp it a little bit. I was just talking to somebody. When did the term book of business become like a growing thing? I talked. I've heard that yeah. more in the last few months than I've ever. Do you use that daily? Like what's your I don't book of use business? it. I don't use it. But I know this is going like back to when I was like looking for jobs in college. And a lot of them were sales based. And they were always talking about your book of business. Which it sounds nice. I like Which your, is a that's a like that's a that's a hundred percent a thing. I like the alliteration of it. Yeah, it makes sense. It sounds nice. But I ghosted you. Yeah. Yep. I didn't get back to you. Nope. And then it was a long week for me because I was like, I think I had traveled for work, and then I was talking to somebody else, and then that kind of got. Once again, if your intentions aren't where you think they are, then all these, you know, communications, miscommunication starts to develop. And I was just beaten down on the sense of like, I'm, I'm leaving this world. I'm leaving yeah. this app world. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. That I'm not saying. No, no, I know. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like the world of dating apps. Right. Uh, and because I was just like, this isn't It gets worth. to be a lot sometimes. It really like, does. It's not. Yeah. It's not worth. It's not worth the energy. Right. So, yeah. I've said right like 32 times already. But if there, there's probably that perfect scenario where you've got somebody who goes on the app and they're thinking, this is what I want. I'm at the time of my life where I want this. And then they meet somebody and then it all works out. And that's great. Mm-hmm. I just had to go. That was not this. No. And for on my side, you know, what I was going through was. I had to realize that as much as I thought I knew about what I wanted, I didn't know. And I'm getting to an age where people are starting to get some of those nailed down. And all I'm doing is causing confusion for no reason. Right. I might as well just like not even go into it until because why was like you have to think, why aren't you ready to dive in the pool of relationships? Probably because you have other things in your life you want to focus on. But just be mature enough to admit that to yourself and then say, maybe I should focus on work a little bit more now, or maybe I, I should take some time to myself. So that's why I just, I ghosted you. And then I <laughs> get a text from you. The next week, it was like a full week, a I think. A full week went by. Yeah. And I get a text on a Sunday evening. I remember I was just laying. I think it was Sunday afternoon. Was it afternoon? Did we get together that night? I think so. And you, yeah, or no, it was it was Saturday. Okay, this is neither here nor there, but it was Saturday afternoon. I do remember thinking, am I gonna, am I really gonna go to a bar on a Sunday night? Yeah, it was Saturday afternoon, and we, ate, yeah, had the conversation. Well, you had just said, hey, out. hey, it's, I reached hey, out. I just, yeah, I just, you said, I hope you had a good week. I just wanted to text and see if you ever wanted to to hang out. Yeah, something and like then, that. I had just looked at that and I was like, I can't because it, it was timed up to the sense of like that whole day I spent kind of looking in the mirror and just 
saying to myself, I can't keep putting myself out there if I'm not ready right. to, to do anything <laughs> about it. Yeah. And then you pop up and you're like, hey, just just wondering. <laughs> and I was I was like, I've got to have this conversation. I can't just like BS anymore. So I'm like, hey, listen, Allison, uh, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you texting me. <laughs> That's so nice of you. Yep. But I think I'm just going to go in a cave for a while. Yep. And I'm just kind of tired of, of hurting people's feelings because... I don't think I really know what I want and I'm yeah I think that that's just what I have to do and then your first your message back was probably one of the most profound things that I could have gotten it was interesting I have a couple questions <laughs> yeah <laughs> yep and I just thought that was that was that was pretty cool so uh we yeah just kind of opened it up from there and then uh made plans to meet up on yeah sunday yeah we the next day it's it's weird to look back on because i've never done this before i've never looked back on the first time that i started talking with a girl made plans to go out with a girl like yeah we were talking before this that it's just cool that to think that through whatever this is through this you know just recording and to be able to look, because what do you do when you go into some of those situations? You always experience it, and then you go home and you analyze the hell out of and it, and you replay the whole thing because you're think, alone, right? You're trying to think. That's number thirty-three for how many times I've said right. You just pick it apart because you're trying to think about what maybe went wrong. Yeah, what? Yeah. So it's just interesting to look back on. But then I thought. Let's go for it. What are you doing tomorrow? If you really want to hang out, if you're really this kind of casual and comfortable about just, you know where I'm at. Mm-hmm. And then you said, okay, well, let's go to uh, Benchmark. So I, like the crazy person I am, decided to Google you. Well, hold on. I think we need to go to, we need to like go into the actual date now yeah but the googling for me led up to the date okay okay that's fair that's fair but no i've been talking for like (laughs) eight minutes so okay well i'll say my perspective there's no way it's been up to the google up up to the up to the googling probably okay so we make plans to go to benchmark i've never been to benchmark before and you arrived 15 minutes early right and I right. and I was <laughs> 34, 35, and I you text me that and I was like, that's I was still getting ready at that point because I live very close to benchmark, so I was just gonna walk there. So then you tell me what table you're at, I go in, I walk in, <laughs> and then uh yeah, we meet for the first time, yeah, sit down at the table, start having a conversation. Those that kind of like awkward beginning of like, hi, how are you? So like, this is the small talk part of the beginning of dates. They're fun. And then I think as soon as we sat down, you were I have like a terrible poker face. I googled you. Terrible poker face. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, there goes the next thirty minutes. I have nothing to tell you about myself now because you 
found out so much already. So you, so, had, you had a plan going. Well, not necessarily a plan, but that's what you do. You talk about, right? You get to know the person. So yeah. I was like, well, now I have nothing to say because if you know everything about me or at but least if the, you, you found why, out some things. I'll tell you why I Googled you. Yeah, please. I, I mean, you're six foot two. Yeah, and we should. Yeah, we probably should have mentioned that at some point. You're six foot two. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, there's got to be something. That's not real. There's got to be something. Because there's no way that someone who's kind of presented yourself as nice as you are, six foot two. Yeah. I think you, it did say something about like Iowa, mm-hmm. like Hawkeyes or something. Yep. I think it says my, yeah, where I went to school. So I was like, it can't be. I mean, there's got to be something. Right. And all I had, and your name is spelled very, it's a unique spelling. Yep. So all yep. these things, I was just thinking. Thanks to mom and dad for that. Right. <laughs> so I found a plethora of information. Yeah. Yeah. I, surprisingly, for uh, how many years I've been on this earth, I actually have a pretty strong dent in the internet. I, I actually, you know, there's, I actually appear on the page, internet. You go to page two. I go to page two. <laughs> you go to page. I don't know if that's true or not, but I know that I'm <laughs> at least up there for some things. But So first thing that pops up. Yeah, okay, which so, was what? So, so this is this is Sunday afternoon before yes. kind of getting everything... Yeah, I yeah, sort of I want to know your reactions to the things that the pop fir- up. This is the first you're hearing us. Yes, I, I yep, I we've never dived into that so before. So it's it's Sunday afternoon, mm-hmm. and I'm on my phone, and I Google Allison Whitmire. First thing, Iowa Hawkeye Athletics profile page. Yep. All right, that checks out. <laughs> Six two. Yep. Rower. Yep. So right. I didn't know Iowa had like a. Rowing team. It's it's huge there. Yeah, yeah. We 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 made some some good progress in my in my time there from just as a program and kind of coming on to the not only the Big Ten stage but also the NCAA stage. So that was really cool to be a part of. Yeah. So that was just the start of it. That was the tip of the iceberg. Yep. And I didn't dive into that player profile just quite yet because I go back to the homepage. Yep. And then I see. Uh, LinkedIn divisional recruiter. I'm like, okay, that's that's a pretty heavy title. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, but I'm not gonna click on it because then you're gonna get notified. Hmm. Don't click on the LinkedIn. That's right. It'll tell you. Then it says, yeah, how many views? Who viewed I'm your not profile? Out. I'm yeah, not, yeah. No. And then I keep going, and I saw your high school recruiting. So yep. like, I, I had an NC, you know, profile yep. for yep. that. Yep. Okay, that checks out with the rowing thing. That's fine. Yeah. I'm fine. Yep. And then I see Allison Whitmire's wedding website. That was the next one. That was the next one. Like Trillos, <laughs> it was something like that. One of those. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. So she was gonna be married. That's interesting. So she was engaged to be married. Yeah. I click on it. October 2020. So now I'm thinking this girl uh, broke off a wedding and is now running around Chicago. Like five months ago. Five months ago and is now like, hey, 
Just checking in on you. Yeah. You want to hang out still? Because I've got some regrets to outrun. <laughs> yeah. And then this is where I saw one link that brought me back to your player profile. And it was just along the, the lines of a headline of like miraculously freshman at Iowa survives stage three cancer. <laughs> And that, I mean, I was speechless. And so I click on that and there you are and you have the whole hospital staff behind you. And again, I just thought, well, the first thing was that, I mean, I hate to give things up to timing, but I think a lot of life is timing. And I always want to think my way through situations, but sometimes it is how things get timed up. And if I hadn't initially done the terrible thing of just not replying to you or ghosting you, and I would have still been in that kind of cloudy intention world of what do I want out of going on these apps and all these things, then I wouldn't have had that opportunity to say, listen, I'm going to cut the shit. Like, this is where I'm at. I'm just going to kind of take a, you know, take a beat here, take a second. And you were still like, listen, you know, let's just let's just hang out yeah and so to see that was just there are times in your life and this is this is kind of what drove me again there are so many things that like fall into place for you to make decisions and for me i'm a firm believer where if if you do all the right steps with kind of going off here and life reinforces you then you're gonna be you're gonna get like a direction in your compass and so to me that was a like an engraving moment of I made the decision to be honest with where I was, no matter how I cared, if it came across, like I was, who is this guy? Like I even texted you in that first night. Like, I'm sorry if this is just so out of the, you know, you don't even know me. Like I'm telling you all this about like where I'm at in my life right now. Mm -hmm. But just to know that that step allowed me to kind of be in a position where I was like, that is, that's just awesome that, you know, you've kind of experienced all that you have in your life. You've accomplished all that you have in your life. And here we are. And we're just about to have like just a very relaxed, casual, just we're going to meet up and, and whatever happens. So yeah, I'll just get to know someone. Yeah. So then I go back up to your player profile. Okay. And I go into the paragraph where of like, you know, cause I, you know, from my Wyoming one, I always thought, I mean, they put like, you know, mom, whatever, dad, grew up in the suburbs of yeah. whatever. And I saw Elgin. So not too far from where I grew up. Yep. So again, it's like, wow, this is, you know, but we're both in Chicago. So I guess it's not like that crazy that we ended up. Right. To where, the like, suburbs, pe suburbs into the city. Go into the, yeah. yeah. And then I go and it says something like, was <laughs> born in Bangladesh. Like grew up. I'm like. Who is this? <laughs> like, what the? So, uh, yeah, that was me going into it. So now I'm thinking, curiosity killed the cat. I got to go on this, you know, hang out, date, whatever you want to label meet it up, as, yeah. meet up. And I've got this bank of information on this person who I'm thinking in, in some way, and this is where I kind of, you know, give it to you now, is when you when you go out with people... Do, do some of those things come up and and it, and was that how was that for someone to be like hey so i 
saw this stuff like how how did you kind of adapt to the fact that like you probably had a sequential way of like because that's a lot to, to yeah to yeah. explain yep or to kind of just like say this is who i am so i was always interested in that like how did those conversations go and then what happened after i was kind of like hey so i uh i googled you well i think my reaction and i said this earlier was okay well there goes 30 minutes of what i was going to talk about because and i i think i asked you i was like so you know about rowing and you know about my cancer story and you know about me growing up overseas and you're like yeah i I was like, okay. So I guess to answer your first question, it usually just, I try to keep it as organic as possible. Like I don't necessarily want to go into meeting someone and be like, hi, I've experienced this, this, and this. I've accomplished this, this, and this. I'm a very interesting person. I have a very interesting life. I don't need to tell people that to know that like I have experienced a lot and I do think I've had a very interesting life. It's given me a lot of perspectives. Lots of good things have come out of it. And going into something, meeting somebody who already knows about all of this, it was definitely different because it was like, okay, I don't have to drop this bombshell of like, oh, by the way, I had cancer when I was 18. Or um, by the way, you know, my first words weren't in English because I grew up overseas. So it was kind of nice. It was a little bit more relaxing, I guess. And then you got to have the segment of like, so tell me more about that. Cause I know about this already. Tell me about it. So then I could kind of go into just a brief little overview of some of those sections, portions of my life. But when I first meet somebody, I try to keep it as organic as possible because it'll come up, you know, eventually naturally at some point it's my whole cancer story is a good connection to a lot of people because I, it's really sad to say, but almost everybody in this world has some connection to cancer through somebody that they know. So to be able to have yeah. that bond and that connection with somebody, even to offer, you know, advice, share my own story. Um, I had a pretty, it's kind of like a commonly uncommon cancer, I guess. It's like, um, or an uncommonly common. So it's, um, I had Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, which is a blood cancer. So similar to leukemia, they're both kind of connected. And it's a cancer that happens very often in young adults. I think the most how common did, age. How was it found? The whole. Um, so it was found by it was my freshman year of college. And it was the Wednesday before. Thanksgiving break. And I ended up going to the emergency room with just a like terrible chest pain and through a series. Def like it, how terrible, like how did you not think, oh, it's just, it was a hard workout or it was like. It was, it was like a, th and like an aching pain. Opportunity here. Yeah. We are not medical professionals. <laughs> I'm not an authority in diagnosing. Yep. I just think that asking perspective questions doesn't hurt yeah so that's that's where my curiosity comes from because i've i know people where when they hear that someone's gone through something 
and it could be anything they asked like okay well what okay so like um so what did you feel so like what can i like put in my checklist of like do i go or do i not go right so yeah for sake of that for sake of that yeah, yeah. it was a so it was a constant throbbing pain and then there was shooting pains like all up and down my chest wall which was very abnormal and then i also couldn't stop shaking like my whole body just couldn't stop shaking to the point where i couldn't sit up like i had to lie on the ground and this was like in class this was in the dorms this was at night i had just come back from practice like it was at nighttime it just kind of started happening i think it was hanging out with some friends in the dorm and it just kind of started happening and then we got the ra and the ra actually called like the nurse hotline for iowa and the nurse said yeah you should call an ambulance so they called an ambulance i got into the ambulance this is you know kind of long story short um through a series of you know tests and x-rays and i mean you were it's it's really intense it's rightfully intense yeah you know yeah i i honestly didn't think about any like i never gave myself the opportunity during that entire time to take a step out of it I was just in the moment. Like I never kind of zoomed out to actually look at what Come was on. going on. Don't no you during put that, that whole on you? time. Yeah, I. How would you have? You were going through a stressful. But I didn't How even would... believe that it was real until my first treatment, which I can get to too. Like I didn't okay. really understand. You just thought it was it. some fluke. No, it wasn't like I didn't believe. It wasn't like I was like, "There's no way." It was just like numb i guess numb to the like diagnosis because it was just one of those things where it was like the closest i ever got to that strange that it was like how how was i you know the the hell like the the most physically fit i'd ever i'd ever been i was a d1 athlete we were i was a student athlete we were working out 40 hours a week minimum um I was 18, like I I was like, I just, I don't understand. And so then we got the call on the Saturday before Thanksgiving, 2015, 2015. And the doctor called my parents. We were on speakerphone. I still remember we were sitting in the kitchen next to the island. And the doctor said, we're not sure we have to do a biopsy, but we think that it's lymphoma. And I remember looking across the table to my mom and mouthing, what is that? Because I didn't know that lymphoma was a cancer. And my mom immediately started tearing up and went, it's cancer. And then, of course, I started tearing up and I started crying and it was like a whole thing. And then it was just kind of like going through the motions of like, what's the next step? You know, meeting with the oncologist. Um who was actually a lymphoma specialist who was at the university of Iowa hospitals and clinics, which is, he was like one of the leading specialists in lymphoma in the entire world. who just happened to be two blocks away from my dorm room, which was crazy. And it was going, it was meeting. He kind of laid out how everything would go. You know, this is the stage. It was lots of, I had lots of cat, uh, pet scans to see how, what the stage was ended up being stage three and pet scans. Yeah. With contrast. Aren't they, is it cat scans? No, pet scan. Wait, so there's a, there's, there's I'm different such ones. an idiot. So there's, okay. there's pet scan and there's cat scan. And then there's CT scans. 
But not dog scans. <laughs> not dog scans. Oh. <laughs> not dog scans. Okay. No. So, yeah, so they in- they inject you with sugar. It's radioactive sugar, and cancer lives on sugar, so or glucose. So the cancer will uptake it, and so it, you'll basically light up like a Christmas tree wherever cancer oh. is, and they take pictures of it. Okay. So that's how they... That's how they tell you what stage it is. How did it stage feel to one, get two, three. shot with sugar? It was, I mean, it's gross. I mean, I've. You didn't feel like you just injected fun dip? No. Into you? <laughs> I wish. Yeah. It would have been great. Be like, here you go, just eat fun dip. <laughs> it's like something, it's special. It's like a, a Kool Aid that you drink. Oh, it's not a injection? It's, no. Oh. Not for the one that I did, but. Did it taste good? It tasted just like real. I mean, it was radioactive, so it had kind of what? a weird taste. It's literally it's radioactive sugar. Wow. And yeah, so then going back to a little while ago, I didn't actually believe that it was all real. Like it never actually sunk in. I even went through my port placement. So um, when you get chemo, um, also my prognosis was uh, twelve rounds of chemotherapy, no radiation. 12 rounds of chemotherapy every other week, um, go in for chemo session. And, um, I had my port placement. So I had a port placed in my, um, chest that had a, like a, were you tube. awake for that or did they have to? Put you so under? this is a great story. Actually. I don't even know if I told you about this yet. You told me you remember the operation because apparently so. you react differently than what they thought to the anesthesia you were given yeah okay i did tell you yeah so i went in for this and you're supposed to be completely under because they're literally putting a tube that leads to your right aorta like they're feeding it through your veins that goes right to your right aorta which is the where all of that blood like pumps so that's where they want all of the chemo to go so that strong muscle brings it to the rest of the body yeah so uh go in for the procedure and i had never had to be put under before like I didn't have my wisdom teeth out or you know I had no experience with anesthesia and they turn the anesthesia machine on or whatever I close my the eyes the guy says the thing like all right you're gonna yeah sleep. you're gonna okay, count yeah. count backwards from 10 right you'll be feeling good yep. <laughs> and that didn't happen um so I was awake the entire time of the surgery and I can remember come on no I'm serious I I remember what radio station so they were listening to. So you don't even remember because so I've had two shoulder surgeries, and that what I was going to say is when you felt like you couldn't believe it, the closest I got, which was not at the intensity at all of, of you finding out what was found through your scans, but I had to do an MRI for a torn labrum, just something as as silly as like just a little ligament that it tore, and the whole forty five minute MRI in my mind, I'm thinking I can like manifest, like I'm like it's not torn, it's not torn, it's not torn, it's not <laughs> It'll torn. It'll just heal itself. And just... so my dad, yeah. So I, I leave the, the MRI machine, which by the way, they're so tiny. Mm-hmm. I had no idea, and, and they're so close to your face too. And it's you, loud. You, you see the big like circuit. You feel like there's a lot of space in there. There's not. Nope. And they're like, do you want to listen to some classic vinyl on yeah. these outdated headphones? Sure. <laughs> get get it going. <laughs> yeah. So my dad and I would go and talk to the technician who he was just like, hey, listen, by no means is this like, do I have, you know, diagnosis here, but it does look like there might be a separation here. And that was I was leaving the hospital. and I was just thinking because I'd always been messing with my shoulder before leading up to the MRI. And I'm like, I just have to massage it out. I just have to. Right. So like you when Yeah. I mean, having to reason with all of it 
when you're just told a clear and cut, this is what it is. Yeah. When we kind of live in a world of like, we can, if we put enough effort forward, we can create change. But there are things in the, in the world where yeah you just, you sometimes have to just deal with something and then you have to redirect. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of what I had experience with that. And the, um, you're talking about your port. Yeah. So, I mean, kind of long story short, the, I was awake for the whole surgery and oh, yes. then. Okay. So let me, I have, I'm trying I, to get no, to the I point have, no, where listen, I, I finally have... realized that I had cancer. That's what I'm trying to get to. Okay. But <laughs> I have to connect like why I went down the whole labor story. So when okay. I had my surgeries, I always remember I had to get on the own, my own table. And then they did the, the mask where they gave me the anesthesia. Yeah. And then I remember the big lights yep. and then you wake up. So do you, like, Explain. There was no gap. Yeah, there's no gap. So I closed. But they should have seen your eyes stay open. So I closed my eyes because I was getting a little bit sleepy. And I was like, okay, I think I'll just close my eyes because then maybe I'll fall asleep and I'll know what it's like. But halfway through, I actually opened my eyes. And one of the nurses goes, oh, I guess you're awake. I'll just turn it up. Turn the anesthesia up. She says, you turn the anesthesia up. And I was like, okay, well, it has to start working now. And then it was like, nope. And they're cutting into said, me. Okay, I remember so feeling blood drip down my neck. Like, okay, but halfway means, did you feel pressure from yeah. what they were doing? Mm-hmm. Yep, pressure. They You have to move muscles aside to get the port in because you're putting a foreign object in someone's yeah. body. Yeah. Yeah, I, ref- I feel the, the pressure. And everything. Yeah. No, I was numb, so I didn't feel necessarily pain because I they injected wow. the, the area and... So you didn't feel pain. But it was no pressure. Pain. Like, I could feel it. Well, I mean, that's not entirely true, I guess. Like, it'd be like if someone was pushing on you really hard. Yeah. Is that Because we've all gotten dental work where we could have used a little bit more topical. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, I would probably say that. I mean, it wasn't to the point. It wasn't. I'll say this. It wasn't pain to the point where I felt the need to wake up and be like. So she Because I out. just thought. That's what anesthesia felt like. You're just a little bit sleepy and yeah. you're a little bit groggy. First time goer. First time. Yeah. 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 And okay, turns so out then, that's not what it was. That's not how anesthesia is supposed to go. So Okay. So then you're saying at what point after the surgery did it, you're saying this is when you realized you had cancer? That's No. Okay. I'm still getting there. Okay. It was my first treatment. I'm sorry. Okay. It was my... So anyway, to kind of wrap up the whole no, replacement don't... story. Okay. Yeah. I was wheeled out going to post-op and I was like, mom, I, I was awake the whole time. Like, I remember, I remember everything. I remember what the doctors were talking about. I remember what radio station was playing. Like I was awake the whole time and it's not a long surgery. It was probably like 45 minutes, 50 minutes. And the nurse who was taking me to post-op overheard me and she goes, Oh no, that's, that's just the anesthesia. Like you're going to forget about it in, you know, a couple, you know, half an hour or something. And I was like, okay, great. Like, that'd be great. I would like to forget about it. I was awake during a surgery, surgery where they cut me open and put a foreign object in me. I would love to forget about that. That'd be great. So I just kept waiting and I kept going back in my mind. I kept being like, do I remember it still? Yes. And then I'd wait a little bit more. Do I remember it still? Yes. And then I wait a little bit more. And then like half an hour later, because post-op was probably like, I don't know, we had to wait there like two hours or something. And I was like, mom, I, I remember all of it. And she was like, okay, well, we, we'll, we'll figure that out later. Because, you know, it's not supposed to happen. Like you could sue the hospital for that. 
And uh, are you at? Did you find like some peace with it? Yeah, eventually like, I was just kind of like, okay, well, that you're right, kind of happened. Right? I mean, here, you know, here like, you kind of happened. Kind of, yeah. Now I know. I guess the takeaway from that, I have a very high tolerance to anesthesia, so that okay. thing's got to be cranked up. And and you, have I no said qualm, that you have no qualm with like the institution that. <laughs> I had a qualm. I've okay. tried to come to peace with it. I've had a qualm. Okay. But to get to as much the as point. I want, as much as I want to label my podcast the can of worms, <laughs> I don't. Yeah. You know. We don't have to, yeah. We don't have to continue down the path. But so going back, this is quite the story. The first time that I realized that I had cancer and it finally sunk in yeah. to get to that point, it was my first treatment. And I had no idea what to expect. No idea. My mom and I, we woke up. We, I think we stopped at Starbucks. It was kind of like, okay, well, this is going to happen. I remember what my specialist, what my oncologist told me would happen. Like, I was like, okay, he said it's going to be this, this, this. But I didn't actually really think about it. So we show up at the hospital. We get all checked in. I go sit in my seat. I meet my nurses who were the most amazing people. And I was in this unique situation of, I was 18, so I was right on that edge of um, be, like going to the adult kind of cancer treatment or going to pediatric cancer. And because I was 18, I'm, you know, more mature for my age, I guess, and I, you know, could handle it. We just went to Did you to take the, a test? No, for that, didn't. how do you know? I, it was something that my um my mom actually asked me. She was like, "Do you want to go to the pediatric?" That's the maturity test. No, no, no. One question. And I was like, "No, I think I'd rather just go to the adult one." But because I went to the adult cancer center, I was the youngest by probably four plus decades getting treatment. Yeah. So. All of the nurses around me see this like young 18 year old girl who was like, I mean, I, I walked in like, okay, this is just another day. Like, I mean, I'm a pretty bubbly person. I'm a pretty positive person. I was just kind of like, this is happening. And all of the nurses just were like, took me in as a second daughter. And it was like, I had all these moms that were around me when I was going to treatment, which was just amazing and wonderful and shout out to them. And my oncologist was also a pretty young mom. Like she had just like, I think she had two boys that were like under 10. So another kind of looking at me as a daughter. So when I got to go to treatment, I had all these wonderful nurses and, you know, second mothers around me. But so I was sitting there. What you have to do when you get treatment is you have to stay for about two hours and just get pumped with saline just for hydration. Okay. And is that going, that's not going through your port going through my port. Yep. So that's the whole goal is you don't have to do any IVs now that you've got except for blood draws. Okay. Blood draws every week that I didn't have treatment. I had to get a blood draw. So I have like a ton of scars in my, um, right arm. But anyway, so sitting there two hours go by, I can't stand the taste, the smell of saline at all, it makes me throw up because of all the time. But you told me treatment. that the taste when yeah. the IV started or the, you know. Yeah. The... Yep. So the moment that we're getting to was after the two hours sitting in the chair, my mom was there with me. My dad came to visit as well. And 
I had four drugs in my chemo cocktail. So it was ABVD. So adriamycin, bleomycin, vinblastine, and dicarbazine. Adriamycin is a push IV. So it's not a drip. So they can't just, you know, hang it up on the, you know, hang it up in the bag and it just mm. drips and goes in. They actually have to sit there and physically push it into you. So the nurse has to sit there. And they're and basing how much to push based on how much you're taking in it's like at a, a certain speed rate. Thing. Yeah. It's like, a, so she has to stay consistent with the speed too, as she kind of goes in and it takes about okay. f- probably like three to five minutes of okay. like just sitting there. Cause it's a big, I mean, it's like, you know, it's a, a lot of, it's right. a lot of drugs. And I just remember that I was sitting there. I was listening to fight song by Rachel Platten and I cannot listen to that song anymore, but I was listening to that and I was just watching this bright, unearthly, unnatural red colored drug creep up the line and start to go into my body. And that was when I started to, and that's like when I kind of lost it and I just broke, I like, I just, I broke down and it was kind of like, that was the first moment when I realized there's no going back now. Yeah. Now I am someone who is going through chemo because they have cancer and I'll never forget that. It was just kind of like that wave. Cause I kind of, I think I just didn't want to think about it. Right. Like I just, I didn't want to think about it. I had so many other things to think about. I had to finish up my school semester before I started. I moved from Iowa back home so I could go through treatment. I had like three weeks to get all this stuff together. Like I had to, you know, tell university of Iowa athletics. I had to tell university of Iowa just in general, like I have to pause. I'll be back next fall, but like I have to go home and I had to take care of all of that. And so it was just like one thing after another and I never got a chance to actually let it like sink in which was honestly probably a good thing because I don't know if I would have been able to finish out the semester with, you know, all of that. So that was the moment. And all of like my nurses were just like so great and supportive. But, you know, my mom's sitting there holding me and I'm just like sobbing and sobbing and sobbing. So the actual chemo injections, all four of them take about four hours after that. So it's like a whole day of being there. I don't think I got home until like four o'clock and my appointment was at like 10 o'clock in the morning. So tired and so tired. And that was the first time that I got all the nausea that comes with chemo. So I started having to take steroids just to control the nausea, um, as well as, you know, other medications that I had to be on for it. And that was the, that was the, and then I had, that was the first day. And then it was, okay, 11 more. And then you just start counting them down. But you kicked ass, though, after everything got done. You yeah. went back yeah. your sophomore, your junior year? Yep. So I went back. So after all of that was done, and there's a that's a whole other story, that whole like spring of 2016 whole story. But finished up um, with everything. The first week of June, I'm actually in my my five years remission is going to be up this June and I'll be officially cured. Cheers to that. Cheers to that. Do you cheers coffee? Yeah, always. You can. So that's really exciting and everything's good. Like it was almost like, I don't want to say like a blip, but it was almost just like a 
a veer in the road. It was just kind of like, oh, going this way. And Learned then we're back on time. Back on ton. track. Learned a ton. Had so many experiences now. Like, wouldn't give it up for the world. Um, it was, yeah. Made some really amazing friendships. Like, met new people through it. Have this whole new outlook on life, if you will. Uh, you know, get to talk about it on podcasts with people that I met a couple months ago hi how are you <laughs> great let's talk about my cancer story um hey i <laughs> but we've talked about this so i've got one question about the the chemo cocktail yeah when you first told me about it you uh referred to andriomyosin adriamycin adriamycin uh, as yeah. a bitch the witch we call it the, the witch. witch yeah you personalized yeah. you personified yep your chemo cocktail. Yeah, when just that you, one. Okay. and Because when it was the worst one. And when did you start doing that? And then how fun was it to be like, let's let's get it? Yeah. Honestly, it was probably the second or third one because I realized very quickly that that was the one that made me feel the worst. Because it you could taste it. And you that could was smell the unearthly... It. It was, was, was a, it like a neon it was red? red or like, it was... I guess... Is, oh, it's can so neon, Can red be neon? No, that would it, be... I, if you can picture a neon red color... It's probably pretty close. Like a like an electric red sign. It's like a neon. Yeah, but like a but it does, right, but it doesn't glow. So like okay, it's like a. But it wasn't like a dark. It, it, no, like a it was dark it's black really, red. No, honestly, you're probably pretty close with the neon red. If you could imagine a neon red color that died. Okay. Because it doesn't glow anymore, right? Because it's it doesn't glow. So like a. It's unearthly. Like There's a fluorescent no color rose? That's natural. Like a fluorescent rose? There's no natural color in the world that I could describe it as. Okay. But yeah, that we was started really interesting. to, yeah. You, you didn't to even, like, you were like, yeah, Adrian Myerson, she was the worst of them. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow, what an interesting, but yeah. that's empowering. I mean, you kind of like. After I got through her, the the other three I fell asleep through. Yeah. So. The other three I fell asleep through almost every single time. She was the one that made me throw up most often. She, again, personification. She was the one that you could just, you tasted it, you smelled it. It was, there's no getting away from it. It was just, you could, like, you could feel it going into your body and it just. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I can, I mean, I just cringe thinking about it now. It's just like, so you it kind of forget that feeling. Yeah. So that kind of like brings me back to uh, when I was just creeping harder than I've ever creeped on before going to meet with someone, which by the way, if you're on dating apps, <laughs> it don't feel uh, like, don't feel guilty. If you do your due diligence, we live in the age of like catfish, right? Like catfish era. So don't, don't feel like you're creepy. If you should we normalize it, we have to normalize <laughs> doing your research with the resources that we have. So what I actually did was I went to Facebook first and then I was just going through like, cause I, I was, as long as things check out, Right. Then you know you right. can like go like and meet a real with them. Person. Yeah. Well, even just like the real person, but they're just like, is this someone who inflates things, or is this someone who, you know, they give a one story one way and then they modify it to right. fit their narrative in the next, and it's just right. all these different things to consider. And so when I was going through your Facebook, to be honest, I noticed that you had hair changes and then one <laughs> yes. picture i was like yeah i think that's a wig yeah so then when i found the <laughs> when i went to google and i was like okay makes sense that makes sense yes and then i later found out that what you, what i saw that you rocked the hell out of was something called the pixie cut yeah which 
Yeah, I mean that it was kind of like what era would you say the pixie cut was kind of like? Because it definitely looks like an older style. Yeah, I don't want to. So, you know what? Yeah, I, yeah. You know no, what I, I know default what you're to? No, I, I default to like the poodle poodle skirt era is like most things of like that like pop the 60s like, you know you said you had like that bubbly personality yeah just like spinning around in a poodle skirt or something am i saying poodle weird po- poodle 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 yeah okay but i yep hair changes that's uh that's very uh i i love the trust and the honesty that you have and going through that story but we've also gotten to the point where you're like curtis it, it was a big part of my life but it's you know it's something where i learned a lot from it but that's not who i am i'm not yeah. that person yeah I'm not the cancer survivor i'm i'm allison but the reason why i keep the reason why i think i it i have that outlook is because i was the cancer girl in college athletics like i was like iowa hawkeye athletics had never had a cancer survivor that decade so to the president of you know iowa athletics to the the you know um assistant you know directors or you know all of those people i was the girl who had cancer and to a lot of other athletes when i had to leave they knew me as oh she was the rower that had cancer yeah or oh she came back after cancer completely changed my body and my hair and I didn't even recognize myself for a really long time. Yeah. Um, cause you talk about, you know, your weight loss too. And that's something that's that weight I loss, had. That's weight loss though. I mean, that's bodies by lifetime. Yeah. You know, not complete change by something you have no control over. And yeah, one of the most intimidating sicknesses that exist. Well, regardless of how you get to where it is, it's about the, it's about the, the, you know, the journey afterwards. And I, that's, yeah. So that was like a whole year in my whole sophomore year was just me trying to get healthy again, trying to get all of the toxins that have been pumped into my body for six months out. Yeah. And I went back to college rowing. Probably, in retrospect, probably a little bit faster than I should have. I mean, it was three months after my last treatment, and I was back in a boat. Back 40 hours a week, just because I was so, like, of course I was going to. Why wouldn't I Why wouldn't I go back? And so it was just a lot. <laughs> here's, here's my question then, which I think I'm starting to get kind of a theme of uh, these old podcasts here, which we debated if I should change the name of my podcast to <laughs> Not in Authority. Not in Authority. Not in Authority. Yep. But you were submerged in the life of, you know, going through the routine of, of having to get chemo. Having, I mean, most people just hear stories about it and yeah. you experienced it. So by being in it, what are some takeaways as far as like, how did you make sense of it? How did you, where does it fit into like the world that you live in? How, how do you rationalize that in a world of, infinite possibilities this is something that exists in ours yeah yeah that was um that was kind of another thing that i didn't really even think about and i i I guess i shouldn't say i didn't really think about but it never was really something that like consumed me with that thought and I, during treatment, I was going through counseling to help with thoughts like that, which was 
amazing and definitely was a game changer when it came to my outlook and my perspective on it. And I think my upbringing had a lot to do with it as well. So just the way I grew up in my whole family, it was just like, you just do it. Like, like if you have, I know it kind of sounds like, are they, so I'm guessing Nike over Adidas then. Right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, it was like, it was never a question of, you just, you just do it. You just have to do it. It was, yeah. if you didn't, if I didn't do it, the, I, I would hemorrhage until I died. Like it was like, there's no choice. Like, it's not like yeah. you can be like, Oh, I don't want to go through chemo. So the choice that I <laughs> did have was what is my outlook going to be? And what is my mindset going to be going through this? And yeah. I like to be positive. I don't like to be a negative person. So I was like, I'm going to have a positive outlook on this and i'm gonna find all of the good things that came out of this instead of focusing on all of the negative things and i think that going through it to kind of go back to your question how do you rationalize it how do you kind of come to peace with the fact that this was just the hand that you were dealt i think it and this is honestly something that i think i might have told you this before but given my family's history and if you believe in the um, the hereditary theory of cancer rather than the metabolic theory of cancer, one of my siblings was going to have it. And I, to this day, am so glad that it was me. So I'm the oldest of four. I have three younger siblings, a brother and two sisters. And I'm, I'm so glad it was me. Like I, I, it, it, yeah, that's, I'm just, I'm glad it was me. Yeah. I'm glad it wasn't any of them. It was probably going to happen, just kind of how cards are dealt. Um, and I grew up in a very faith-based home. So it was another part of it through the treatment as well, um, focusing on the kind of more of the positive things where it was just like, this is the story. This is what you, this is what you have. What are you going to do with it? And it's, yeah. I didn't want to wallow in, why was it me? Why, why, why me out of everybody? About, so with the counseling, did you ever think about, you know, have, did you say that you wish you would have journaled more throughout yeah. it? Yes, I do. I wish I would have journaled. I didn't. Yeah. And I really wish that I had, because that would have been something really powerful to be able to look back on. Sometimes I keep like all when I'm, I've moved, you know, whether it was a couple of times throughout college or just. Um, you know, as I've gotten older, I moved a couple of times and you always play the game of like, you know, keep or throw away. Yeah. And I'll always keep just random little journals or even if I just started to write a notepad, cause I just think it's hilarious Yeah. because the, well for yours, back. yeah, I mean for yours, I think it would, I, I'm not, I can't speak for that, but the things that I've been through is just in the moment. It's just so overly dramatic that when I read back and I'm yeah. like, what an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's I get been that three for days sure. since uh, I haven't. <laughs> we haven't texted in three days. <laughs> I miss her so much. Yeah. And so I just I think that those are going to I mean, even something like this, like this is my little electronic uh, diary, right? Well, I like to say journal. journal. Sorry, yeah. I'm diary sorry. Diary is too close to diarrhea. Right. Right. Oh, so I like is to that stay away is? from journal. <laughs> OK, right. <laughs> and, and, I think it's, and I think it's close to dire, which is kind of dramatic, like dire diary right this is my die you know it's so dire that i'm right. going through these things you're not about any type of drama me <laughs> so, me no huh. 
But yeah, it so the first date was yeah. So kind of circling back to that. Don't I will not allow circle back on this podcast. Oh, I'm so sorry. You're right. (laughs) Circle around. No, I'm kidding. So the uh, the date was interesting, and then. The other thing that uh, kind of uh, the other thing that kind of stood out about that was uh, I didn't know whether to go in the bar while I waited for 15 minutes or wait outside mm-hmm. because you didn't learn this until like we had we had talked a couple weeks after and uh, it, every time we hung out it was like it was getting more and more difficult for me to just be like I don't know why I'm feeling this but I just I don't want to you know I, I just don't think it's the time for me to like commit and, and all this stuff and then it finally came out where I said. Allison, I'm pretty sure you were my first date, like my first adulthood date. Yeah. And then you look at me, and you go, oh, my God, that's it. Yeah. That's your thing. Yeah. You just you haven't dated yet. Yeah. Because whether it was relationships in high school, relationships in college. Yep. Or just kind of the, you know, relationships that developed outside of like, hey, I see you at a bar. Hey, I see you at a bar. Right. Or mutual or, friends or anything yeah. like that. Or just like going out to dinner and just like getting to know someone on that first day. So the first date was, I mean, was with you. And, and, uh, so that, that kind of released a lot of pressure, which it was a good first date. My too, little right? PSA here on that moment. It was, yeah, it was, okay. well, hang out, hang out. Sorry. Don't, I can't commit I'm sorry. to a word like date. Okay. Okay. You're right. Okay. Hang out. So what's, uh, night. my little PSA on this moment of like the awkward conversations we had and having to be like, it just feels like I have to keep saying things about like how I don't want to commit and all these things. And then finally, the information about me not dating comes out. I think that that's something that I want to dedicate my life to as far as communication is I think there's something to how much information we can actually take in that sometimes there is that little bit of information that you just need to know. And then everything relaxes and everything calms down. Yeah. Like and I don't you like get to that. Say clicks into place. Yeah. I don't know what that is. Yeah. But I feel it and I kind of chase it a little bit because it's the only thing that gives me that compass feeling. I guess I've gotten older. I've, I've gotten a lot of respect for like my inner compass mm-hmm. and like what feels like I'm at like this soothing, relaxing place. And it's hard to explain. Yeah. But. I did it. Uh, I kind of I try to touch on it with um, some of these recordings are really awkward for me to listen back on. But I needed that. I needed like do, you know, kind of the growing pains of how to kind of get a message across. And one of the things that I said was um, cause and effect doesn't sleep and everything we do is going somewhere and it's leading somewhere. And so that's my idea of just knowing that although I can't like define a compass or I can't define, I talked with Max about it last, uh, last week about intuition. Mm -hmm. You just have to strengthen the hell out of that thing that gives you any direction, you know? Yeah. Uh, I'll mention Jim Carrey again, because I was watching this interview, which you don't particularly like Jim Carrey. You mentioned that you don't really like him. You also don't like Will Ferrell, which (laughs) I don't understand. Who doesn't love Will Ferrell? Yeah, you're on no the spot. Comment. You're on the no, spot. No yeah. comment. Okay. No comment. So Jim Carrey, I was watching his interview once. I like Jim Carrey better. Okay. You liked him or you like no, him? No, I like him better. Okay. Yeah. Have you seen recent Jim? A whole different guy. Yeah. Ace Ventura. Still, I mean, he's, I, I think he's speechless. What, yeah. What you can kind of, but anyway. So I got really into <laughs> looking at like the new Jim Carrey a couple of years ago. 
And one thing that he said in this interview was, you know, you look at something like free will and you really want to love the idea of free will and that it exists. But there's always something motivating us. Like why? And he brought up, he was like drinking a cup of tea on the interview. And he's like, why do I decide right now to drink this tea? Is that my free will? Take take a sip of it. Yeah, Yeah. Take a sip of it. And so that kind of like you you tell that to an overthinker and now I'm just stuck in a loop for for days. (laughs) And but it really kind of started the idea of like, why not just focus so hard on like what's motivating me and then kind of go from there, which makes me think, well, didn't Simon Sinek already figure that out? Mm -hmm. Find your why. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm not out here reinventing the wheel. So that was uh, the first date kind of uh, door opening up. But what what do I do? Do I wait outside? Do I get a table? You told me to get a table. Yeah, I was like, why are you going to wait outside for fifteen minutes? That's and then I, I got a table weird. at the front, and I was like, is this the right table? Did you really? I sat at a table in the front first, and then I was like, I don't think this is the right table, and I moved to a different <gasps> table. So that table that you met me at, second table. Wow. Yep. I'm a mess. Closer to the back, actually. Well, it was, it was just on the like, side. it was a little bit more like, you know, the ambiance, I I, I could say. Because the, fr- the front table was, it was just, there was a beam light. Because mm. it was really lit up in the beginning. And I'm like, yeah. I'm not at an interview. Like, <laughs> I'm not trying to get a job right now. What the yeah. hell? So, yeah, that was, um, that was the, the, the first hangout first date so now i made fun of you for wanting to get buffalo cauliflower which by the way they've got to figure it out at benchmark because (laughs) i got it a couple weeks later because we was not it it's like if you've ever had lowry salt yeah if you know lowry salt yeah salt seasoning seasoned salt seasoned salt and then you just dump it on cauliflower that wasn't cooked very well and then just serve that yeah it was not good so so Retrospect, you know what it is, though? I I made a good call with the actual chicken wings. You did, but what if they're like, hey, let's let's we know that cauliflower is growing, like you know, buffalo cauliflower. Yeah, it's like people are trying to be more health conscientious. Let's make it super salty, and then they have to drink more. It could be a perfect menu item for a bar. It could be because when I was eating it, I was like, if I didn't have my beer right now, I think I'd be like that episode of SpongeBob <laughs> where he's like, I need. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. But but it's just good move on the yeah, that yeah. was good. Yeah. So we were talking though, you know, it's such a I would would you classify kind of wanting to be public about um like something as like what would the word be? Like is it taboo? To like sit here and be like, we met on a dating app, we've hung out, we've actually got to know each other, but it's been so much more and it hasn't been this like cookie cutter type of, uh, you go out, you then go on the second, the third, the fourth, and then it's like, you start to talk about what you are and what you aren't. Yeah. Is even doing this, like, what are your thoughts on, because, you know, you're kind of like, we'll go for it. This podcast? Yeah, just like, because I've been poking at it a little bit. I'm like, just, just, we got to do one. We got to. For a while. Yeah. 
for a while. I'm, I'm in Zales. Yeah, Zales. I'm, <laughs> that's what I do. Yeah. Persistence is key. <laughs> Clearly. Here I am. Right. I guess, yeah, I think, and that's one thing that, not to get too, like, with, you know, what we are or not, um, but that was something that we even talked about is, like, we're not going to be this, like, okay, after the fifth date, it becomes something. After the tenth date, it becomes, you know, it's just, like, going, <laughs> going with the flow and just getting to know each other. And well, it's- I push back pretty hard. I'm not... Because I'm a firm believer, and this is how I live my life, that with the, I don't want to say, okay, let me start this by saying numbers game, okay? So many people out there. Yeah. Okay? Yep, yep. There are so many people, so many different backgrounds, so many different, if if you want to start surface level, go under that. So many different people with combinations of tall, short, you know, all these different things. Yeah. Facial, you know, all so many different combinations. And then once you get that, worlds of combinations. world, and, and so if I have to think, like, the only way that I started to realize that was when I realized that I was just another dude. <laughs> and nobody yeah. wants to think that they're just another dude. Nobody wants to think that they're just, like, another person in this grand, great, amazing, humongous world. But once you do, you get, it's kind of like, I don't know, is it a double-edged sword? Or is it like you don't, it's maybe not as win-win as you think. Because you get the clarity, clarity of, wow, what pressure being lifted. The world is bigger than my bubble. But then you get that kind of like, oh shit moment of like, am I insignificant? Am I? Yeah. Yeah. So... I apply that to relationships and I'm thinking if the world really is that abundant, then don't I owe it to myself to see if there is that person, that one and only person, or is it me just saying the pressure of my friends around me getting together makes me think that I need to get together and I'll just say this, and we joke about this. I'm 26, so all these conversations, they're cute, right? 26-year-old trying to figure out what he's doing. Mm-hmm. I have these conversations with people when I'm 30, 35. You got to grow up, dog. Like, you got to, yeah. like, figure your shit. Get a house. Right. Like, buy, get a mortgage. <laughs> right. Like, just, just join. Get so, some property. So I'm thinking, like, if I'm really in this area of my life, this, like, age group where I, I can still kind of be discovering a little bit and questioning a little bit without it being like all right man so like are you investing in things or like yeah are you figuring that stuff out then i might as well because if i just start now and i'm i'm unsure about some things and then i look back i'll be like well damn i had that window that window to like figure things out a little bit but instead i just kind of like decided to do things just because i was like looking at other people do it in my age group you know what i'm saying i almost like feel like to combat the insignificant feel i have to like just try yeah to figure things out right we all have to make mistakes right so female perspective hard left <laughs> how does that go as far as when you see some of your friends or 
you know, what have you kind of noticed, you know, thinking to yourself about this is what I'd like my life to look like at this point or, or this is what I think it should be like, or are you following that compass? Are you following that intuition? Yeah, I think that, I mean, to be honest, when it comes to some of my friends who are my age or even younger, who are, for example, already married, already have kids, already have houses, like all these things. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's so much of life that you've already achieved at such a young age, a quote life, you know, whatever you want your life to look like. That's so much that you've already achieved and so many experiences that are now either not possible or 10 times harder. Like travel? Like travel, like, you know, experiencing life as someone who is single for you know, the, the majority of their 20s or, you know, m- being able to being able to take that job that makes you move somewhere else or being able to, you know, just invest in yourself before having to spend all of your time and energy into a human you created or, you know, taking yeah. care of your your family or your house. Which how do you... Like, and that's crazy to me also that there are people who I know who didn't drink at their wedding because they were too young. Like that blows my mind that yeah. you are. And I mean, great for some people, if that's, you know, where they see their lives and that's what's going to make them happy. That's so fantastic. Can I tell you what blows my mind? At what age do you convince yourself that you know so much about life that you're ready to start like you have a kid. Yeah. Like it's what you want your life to look like. Oh my really. lord. I have no clue about myself. How in the yeah. hell am I going to have this like precious fragile little baby and be like, "All right, so listen man, I'm at like I got like 60% of it figured out." So You got to help me with the I'm other gonna 40. Gi- I'm going to give you up to 60 and then beyond that, I hope you can get to 61, but I don't know, we'll see. Yeah. That's what blows my mind is like, I don't, but then they always think like, you know, for, for couples that are like, do you financially, by the way, this is not like, we're not talking not an about authority, not an authority, but this is not, we're not talking about kids right now. No. Like you don't talk, you don't talk about kids on the first date. Which we didn't. We didn't. I will say the other thing that blows my mind too is like you one day, there's two of you, you go into a hospital next day, you walk out. You have something that you guys created that now you are the sole responsibility of keeping that thing alive. Right. And there's no parenting 101 that you can take. You're right. just trying to learn from your parents or any books that you find. Right. Or other advice. That's crazy to me. That also blows my mind. Well, I talked But to... again, this is not about babies, not an authority. Yeah. We're just two people <laughs> trying, you know, our hardest to live the lives that we've been given. The way that we want. Because there's, no, there's nothing wrong with knowing exactly what you want and being like, okay, this is it. I'm done. Like I found the person. This is the life that I want, regardless of what age you are. There's nothing See, wrong with that. What it's you... just a very different mindset than I think I have, or maybe you have. And so looking at it from our experience and our perspective, it's like, that's, so what? that's crazy. What's your perspective on the difference between someone who goes and chases the life they want and knows exactly how it should look and people who allow their life to develop and then they get to appreciate it as it's 
developing because I feel like that's what I see in life. The biggest contrast, and you're going to have the mix. I mean, there are so many different ways to pursue, you know, quote unquote, pursue life or, you know, pursue happiness. Yeah. Right. America's motto. Yep. So I don't know. What do you feel like you're, do you feel like that goes to balance then? Because now as I'm saying this, I'm like, well, there's a balance of it because you can't just be like a helpless person that wakes up and you're like, I wonder what's going to be presented to me today. Yeah. You kind of have to go for it a little bit. I think everybody, and this sounds so cliche, but everyone is so different when it comes to what they want their lives to look like. And then I think there are, do I want to say different personality types that are more suited to kind of lining up with one or two of those paths. And then there are other personality types that are more suited to kind of bouncing in between them, depending on where they are in their lives. So, so I would maybe that say that comp- certain like certain points in my life, maybe I would say, okay, I know exactly what I need to do. College. I need to get a degree. Oh, what a breeze. Right? <laughs> yeah. What a breeze. So maybe there are certain times in people's lives where, and I, it probably is not just a binary, you know, it's probably not just a binary mindset either. Right? Not no. an authority. Do you, so, do you comprehend the fact that there are so many people in the world, but this is, I got to stop leading this question. It's, it's so leading. This is how I comprehend it. Okay. <laughs> I comprehend the fact that there are so many people in the world, but sometimes it's just based on who you are, you're going to end up in those similar environments, which it's a mental exercise for me to think about how many people there are, but realistically, I'm not going to meet that many different people than me because I'm not in that many different situations. Yeah. Now, if I make it an active effort to go into those situations, then yes. Yep. But that's the other weird thing about life is why do we have almost like these shepherd, shepherded, that's definitely not a word, herded. It'd be herded. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of like shepherd though. Herded. Her, her, her. You got it. H E. Yep. <laughs> you told me that undeterred is a word. It is a word. I'm one of the other ones. Yep. Herded life where it's like you're only going to be around the people that. I just, where do you even make sense of it? I don't know. What, do you, what are you going to do with that? Yeah. Well, going back to one of your original points, too, of. I don't know if it's a good point to go back to now, but. You mentioned like having the the one for you. Yeah. I think that's also kind of a kind of a social construct. You think that's cinematic? Kind of a a little bit. I mean, I think some people believe that there is that like one person out there for them in this you know sea of people that you have brought up, and that's probably a comforting thought to them. Well, how do you think about it if it's not I a think- sea of people? Well, no, I, I agree with the sea of people part, but I think that that is a, for some people, it's a comforting thought of there's only one person. And for other people, it's like, I don't want there to be just one person. That's so like closed to experiences that you can have. If you're thinking, well, there's only one person, so it doesn't even matter what happens. It. Oh, okay. So whereas you're, you're it's saying like, you can go out, you can meet these people, oh, create these connections, relationships okay. and be like, you know what? It's not that you are the one person for me. It's you are the person that I choose to be for me. Okay. I think that's just a different 
mindset. And then it yeah. kind of puts into, you know, well, relationships switches. are work. You have to put work into it. It's not just like one person done. You're good to go. Well, to me, it switches where you're valuing what you how you want to look back at your life, because if you choose that person, then you just reinforced all of your life's decisions that you were the one who said, this is why I needed to do it. This is where it led me. You're one of the people that it led me to. I'm going to keep making decisions to keep getting where I want to get to. Whereas if you just think they're going to just magically land in your lap, then you're basically going to look back on your life and say, well, it's okay because things just work out. Yeah. It kind of goes back to those two like almost binary mindsets that we talked about earlier. Yeah. And one of those fits into this category and one of them fits into that category. Yeah. Do you live life for th- to wait or do you live life Cause to it's going to happen go anyway. get it? Yeah. Yeah. But you ha- But the balance for me, I feel like, has to be there because if you just... If you become someone who just goes and gets it, how many people are you walking over to get what you want to get? Yeah, absolutely. And then well, where yeah. is, like, humanity in it all? Like, how are you valuing your neighbor? How are you valuing... And your other interactions with other people. Yeah. Yeah. Inter- I mean, it's just... Yeah. It's, I think I said it on one where when you think about the entire universe the entire universe which also side note you told me a fact today that blew my mind about the gold and silver on the earth right that was crazy so i've been listening to this uh, don't give it up to the mic i was like, giving it up and, to you and tell them well and tell them what you told me well, I can't tell it as well. So as you I can. was driving through Iowa for work, which is a whole other story with how that trip ended. Stay tuned. And I had a, a credit on Audible, which, by the way, Audible, not a plug, because <laughs> not sponsored. Mom, if you're listening, thanks for being my my one listener. But Audible, you get monthly credits, which when I first got Audible, I was like, well, that kind of sucks because like you can listen through an audiobook. But then as I kind of like got, I'm like, I get it now because mm-hmm. realistically, you're going to get busy. Yeah. So anyway, I had an available credit and I just searched humanity in the in the search box in this 24 hour uh, sequence. It was like the sequence of lectures came up and it was the Big Bang the history of humanity and where we're headed. And so I am just, I'm in like three hours of it, but where it's at now is after the earth went through like its magma stages and it, it started to develop. The thing that's crazy, so I know that the gold silver thing, which I'll, I'll get to, but what blows my mind is the earth hasn't always had oxygen on it. Like that, I mean, if, if you can just, just think that, that like we're in this very sweet spot of, and I know we all learn about it when we're growing up, but just to think about, just to look up at the sky and just be like, holy hell. So anyway, it's just, it's just, been, it's been an interesting uh, audiobook. But when this uh, professor was talking about when uh, Big Bang happened, it's just atoms crashing into each other, hydrogen, helium, and, and these stars are forming, and, and these clusters are forming, and these galaxies are forming, that things like gold and silver were uh, elements that were created through all of that. 
And those were just temp. So the the professor goes, so when you look at that ring on your finger or that necklace around your neck, you are just on a very, 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 very temporary loan for an element that was created millennia ago. And it was just crazy. And it's just those, I don't know if it's, I give it up to grounding, you know, what, you know, it's technically a grounding technique just to, but it's also that insignificant, like there's to me, it, it's it's i don't know it's just interesting because i i go to all these resources to try to like blow my mind a little bit and be like okay what's what's gonna be something i hear where i'm like what (laughs) and it's and i was talking to max about it where it's almost like you have that voluntary like you leave and then you you kind of get out of your your kind of have like a, a slight little out of body and then you come back and you learn some stuff from it um so that's kind of uh something that I'm doing right now. And it's just, it's helping uh, kind of give me like a centering uh, aspect to it. But yeah, it's just, I think sometimes as people, we instinctually have this like frontier nature where we always want to discover the next thing. We always want to kind of claim things. We're very uh, territorial. And we've also been given intellect and we've been given the uh, capacity to kind of understand that that's, starts at what's called like the lizard brain right if you want to follow like freudian theories and then not an authority i just can remember things from senior year psychology in high school (laughs) and then you can kind of just think things as far as like don't we owe it to ourselves if we have the capacity to think about these grand thoughts and and think about the world that we live in to see what it's going to do i mean that's that's why i'm doing all this and i at this point i could probably have a microsoft word document with like 35 bullet points of why I'm doing this every single time I record, I say it's something else. Uh, but, but truthfully it's because it's challenging for me to stay accountable to the fact that I'm saying all of these thoughts that I have when I'm by myself fall into this, like if anybody's seen the movie inside out, which I brought up another podcast. So I guess I have to give Pixar credit because to develop such a, a fun movie that is just crazy when it comes to psyche is pretty awesome and how it feels. But the idea that there are so many thoughts that go into that ball, big ball pit of grayed out memories, I'm basically saying, you know what? I want to, to do something with them. I want to kind of lock a few into place and I want to stay consistent in where my mind's at, what my perspective is, and then have really great conversations with really strong and accomplished people and people that have also kind of had that same sort of self challenging or or self um, thought. So kind of went off there, but gold and silver, it's just, you're loaning it right now. Yeah. It's just a temporary loan. Yeah. That was, that was a nice fact to blow my mind a little bit. Yeah. But, um, we, I mean, you and I, and I don't, you know, you know, stop me if, if you feel like this is something that you want to kind of go into, but you've told me just some of the people, like some of your family members, and it's just pretty unique to know that you've got the perspective of like, you have to understand both sides of the story because you can't always just go gung ho on something because there's always going to be a different perspective. And so that's what I think has been. And yeah. when I was talking to to Max last week, that was something that really helped me is it's just nice to have such a quick like, well, wait a minute. 
Yeah. Don't start going too too fast, too quick. So how? What are some like I guess techniques that you use when you feel like because you've got a very demanding job. You have yeah. a job that almost forces you sometimes to like get in the tunnel. Yeah. And to just go as fast as you can. So what are some things where you're like not necessarily like a, an emergency break, but how do you kind of center? How do you kind of find what you need to get back in tune with your compass and, and what you're going to be doing next? Yeah. Well, I think you bring up a good point of there's always another side to the story. There's always at least two sides to every story. And that's something that I've actually learned through my job, um, a technique called seeking to understand where you go in with the mindset of let me gather as many facts about the situation, other people's experience, other people's perspective on it before you jump to your own conclusions. And I am someone who is very quick to jump to conclusions and resolutions about things. So that's been really, honestly, a, a challenge for me and something that I've been continually working on. But when it comes to getting into this path of just kind of going, 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 what kind of brings me back to, um, at least work-wise, it's about knowing that your words matter. And I think in this role that I have currently, that has been the hardest and toughest lesson to learn because when you don't think about how your words affect people or you don't think, you know, you don't take a step back and think your words matter, you say things that hurt people, cause situations to happen that shouldn't have happened. And I've been in those situations and I've had to experience those and I've had lots of tough feedback for it, but I've learned so much from it and grown so much as a person, just knowing that your words matter in every situation, but I think there are more situations or it's more prevalent in, in certain situations than others. So just knowing that, and I try to approach each conversation, especially if I know it's going to be a difficult one with, okay think about what your words mean before you say them. And that's a technique that I've been working on. I'm not perfect but how at can it. You stay, how can you stay aware in the moment of what, it, like, for me, I think about where I'm heading. So, not so much. Yeah, that's a good, no, that's a good point. What I do instead is I go into a situation thinking, okay, my words are going to matter because what I used to do is have the situation, have the experience, and then look back on it and be like, I should have said this. Okay. Or I should have done that. So being proactive instead of reactive. Okay. And no fault to either of us, but something that I'm feeling, you got to actively feel, is that compared to some of the other conversations that I've had with podcasts, and I think it's just who we are, and you're the one who brought this up to me, life is a presentation. <laughs> Why do you feel comfortable kicking into the gear of presenting over conversational? Oh, that's a good question. I, I, maybe it's because I grew up at, like a theater kid and I was always acting and presenting a thespian. things. Yeah, thespian. Um, yeah. Um, 
presenting is something that I do in my job. It's something that I enjoy doing. I do it all the time. I think everything you do is presentation anyway, but I do it specifically. So you think that this whole conversation has been a, a presentation? We've been in presentation mode for like 80% of it. But that doesn't necessarily mean that... that is that a bad thing? Are you thinking that I that's think a that bad thing? It's like not real. Listen, I'll take I'll take accountability for it because I set up, I set it up, and so if I led into it with like a presentation, which is always difficult when it's like, hi, it's Saturday, it's yeah, here we go. But you also had a a very impactful story to tell, and that's not conversational. That's you getting through like a sequential, like a yeah. Well, the other thing is I've told that today, story sequential. So many times. I was going to ask that when you were telling it. I've How many times story. do you think you told that story? Because, Allison, we've been talking for an hour and a half. And I feel <laughs> like we're finally, like, just talking. Yeah. I mean, I, I've i done literal presentations on that story. For who? So I talked about it. I did, like, a sermon for my church at one point on, like, my cancer story. Did you have a PowerPoint slide? No, I don't have a PowerPoint slide. I did write it all down. For some I, reason, I, I just Microsoft pictured you, Word. like, on, on this uh, stage. So I went to this church, seeing where I got married growing up, and I didn't really go after, like, I don't know. But they had this huge stage with three steps leading up to it and just this marble. And I could just imagine, like, a carpeted. presentation yeah. coming down. And you're like, cancer. <laughs> click my name is allison whitmire and today we're and gonna I'm a and today we're gonna learn about <laughs> life appreciation <laughs> yeah yeah i've probably told that story i mean like in total like one-off i mean i told i mean i talk about my cancer story to people that not necessarily like people i just met but like i've hundreds of times <laughs> hi what are we gonna have today i'll take a black coffee i've had cancer how's your day going yeah. No, it's not that. Not that. I try to. I try to bring it up casually and kind of work it into the conversation. I don't know if that necessarily was working it into the conversation. No. But that's okay. You you don't have to tell that story. I yeah, do. No, it's okay. I'm, so probably I'm, hundreds of times. I'm very bad at small talk, so I just opt out of it. I I, I like. I'd rather be the awkward guy. See, that how know what was to I say. the person who realized that and was like, tech, like on Bumble messaged you? Let's just skip small talk. I don't don't think you had like a sixth sense or something. You're like, no, oh, no, that's not what I mean. But small talk. Oh. Bumble. Oh, Bumble. Dating apps. We've really gone off on some tangents here. Bumble. You know what? Dating apps are interesting. Dating apps, I blame for the idea that there's an ocean of people out there. Because if you think yeah. about our parents, they went through like, yeah, college and, and, you know, they went through high school, college. And they're just like, OK, so whoever I'm in a room with consistently is probably who I'm going to end up marrying. Yeah. And now it's like I can go to my phone and be like, oh, no idea. <laughs> no idea. Yeah. Cool. OK, that's and if, cool. And if that yeah. app doesn't work, go to the next one. Go to the next one. That's cool. Go to the next Never one. Never go back to chat roulette. OK. <laughs> Is that is that the PSA for today? Did you ever was that ever like the height? You never did that. I never uh, did that. You never delinquent. No. Nope. I remember friends and I in high school. We, you know. I feel like that was a thing before I maybe was in high school. I think. Do you know about it though? Chat roulette. I've heard about it. I think that Tinder is now dating apps. Chat roulette. Yeah. From from what I've, I'm not. Hey, I'm not on Tinder anymore. I think because of the fact that it's like. The dating app world's chat roulette is just bogged down with surprises. 
<laughs> so that I mean that's yeah, I just I blame them for, you know, opening up the idea that you better know yourself. That's a whole nother conversation. There's a ton you, of people out there. I think you're absolutely right. I think that's a whole nother conversation about our generation and dating apps. Yeah. But it's it's just so tough. Like how do you and here's the other thing. I almost like always set myself up for failure, which is funny that Thomas, when I did the interview with him, that was what he said at the end of it. He said it in a way where I was like, that's going to hit me in a couple of weeks, I'm sure. You know, I love when people say those things where you're like, they kind of go off later in life, mm-hmm. little, little seeds. Mm-hmm. But going on the dating apps is kind of setting myself up for failure because in the back of my mind, and tell me, just be as brutally honest with yourself as you can be. In the back of my mind, I always think, if this does work out, do I really want the story to look back on? That I was bored one day and I swiped on somebody? Do I really want that to be my love story? Well, now you're just making it really cinematic because you're like, I don't want that because it seems so I commonplace. Am. You want it to be more cinematic. I, I do. But yeah. I, here's the other reason. And it goes to my point. At about, least you know that no. it might set you up for failure. This is the other point. It goes to the, the fact of if when you are rewarded in life, your mind positively reinforces itself that these are the things that led to that success. So if I meet somebody when I finally get the courage to just Throw the phone down and say, damn it, I'm going out tonight. And then I meet that person. Doesn't that make the reinforcement of like when I like was like, let's do it. Mm-hmm. Let's get out there. Let's be vulnerable. Let's not hide behind the the swipe culture. Yeah. Yeah. Bam. There she was. So that when yeah. life does say, I got a challenge for you. Curtis. Oh, well, you know what, life? My balls dropped that day, and I found the love of my life, so <laughs> keep it coming. Yeah. No, I I think it's, yeah, I think it all goes back to perspective. I mean, I think, I, I will say, I think that you're absolutely right with this. I think our generation and just the millennial generation um, in general does have stories that are not as cinematic as our parents love stories or our grandparents love stories. And I think that's just a byproduct of our time. Cause I, I personally know probably like three couples that met on dating apps that are married. Yeah. And that's just, I heard the once age. that, uh, I don't know if they do it anymore, but Bumble would like sponsor a wedding. Yeah. If you met through the app. Oh, wow. Yeah, I don't know if they're still doing that, but I, yeah. Yeah, because you're the living proof that... That it works. Yeah. That it's real. So, I'm sorry, Allison, but it it can't be you. I know. I know. Yeah. No, I know. I think we both figured that out. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) How'd your parents meet? My... That's great. Oh, that's a great story. My parents met at Bible school, which is how all great romances start, I think. Right. You're kidding. So they met at Bible school. My dad's quite a bit older than my mom. Eight years. Not like crazy, but eight years. 
Um, this kind of ties into why I was born in Bangladesh, grew up in Nepal. It's My dad, Bangladesh, Bangladesh. Oh, Bangladesh, Bangladesh. It's like bong. No, it's B A N G, so it should be Bang Bangladesh. 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 The Himalayas uh, are in Nepal, which is Bangladesh. Nope. Okay. <laughs> Different countries, but they're close by, so you're fine. Wait a minute. You're saying they're next that, to each other. You're saying that there's places outside of Chicago? No. You're kidding. I know. And wow. outside of the Chicago suburbs too. Wow. But my my dad did volunteer work for a company in Nepal for a, a long time, right out of high school. Um and my mom went to Bible school and she was the she just was there it was a two-year kind of schooling my dad volunteered for the i guess like the the comp the organization that the bible school was affiliated with and so he would come back to um south carolina on you know leave or you know breaks on his assignments and that's where they met uh they met playing a volleyball game and then my mom, who was a cook, she like cooked for the Bible school breakfast. My dad would always come in super early and get you, coffee. Who are you presenting for? You asked me to tell a story. Yeah, I want to hear it. I'm. My microphone doesn't have ears. Did you not think that I'm telling you the story? So they met for coffee. So my dad used to come in and get coffee with my mom early. <laughs> and then... They started uh, courting. Courting. And then... Like roses and dancing? Yeah, they like started writing letters to each other. In cursive or... Uh, I think so. I don't... My dad doesn't write cursive. So how does somebody... Oh, now we're going to get started here. And then... uh, I'm going to have to write in... in, Then they got engaged, got married. Really picks up at hour and 40 minutes. My mom was 20 years old when she got married. Let me ask you something. Which is crazy. So... Now I know I've got two questions for you. Okay. How does someone who comes from probably the most cinematic family upbringing (laughs) that I've ever heard and somebody who has a disdain for people not being able to drink at their weddings (laughs) come from your mom who's 20 and your dad who traveled across the country to find someone that grew up a state over? Yeah. Where's the question in that? You're like a shoe-in for finding cin- cinematic love and marrying young because... Oh, because that's just what happened to my parents. So therefore, well, I'm predestined to have that same just that story. That's, like, that's just like what... Well, okay. Let me back up. <laughs> okay. Let me back up. All right. You were able to see so much love come from those things. Why wouldn't you want to replicate what successful love looks like in your life? I think I can replicate what successful love looks like without having a cinematic beginning. But did you ever think that it was like you saw it work? Like only you only get to see like you didn't grow up in like four households. So you only saw one example of yeah. what a family looks like. Yes, that's correct. That's, so yeah. how 
like explain how instead of even entertaining it you're like it it doesn't exist well i wasn't around for that beginning part i was around for but you heard about it all and you tell it like you were like it's just unbelievable how this happened and well i like their story i think it's really cute but you don't want any part of it it's like a meat cute i don't think that because my parents have this cinematic beginning to their love I don't think that that necessarily means that I then feel the need or am somehow predestined to have the same. But I'm not, it doesn't even sound is like. Is that what it is? No, it doesn't even sound like you. I'm not saying that you have to have that, but it sounds like you are so polar to it. Like, ah, yeah. And, you know, cinematic love. You know, who cares? Oh, I don't mean it to come across that way. Doesn't everybody oh. want something like that? <gasps> what? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so it is a want. Well, I mean, yeah, probably. I think, I, I mean, I guess we could go into this. I think that movies and stories and books, they kind of... Don't sell yourself short. Things are possible. No, I know. Well, yeah, everything's possible. But I think we... That's the pain that... We've lived... That we live see, in a society in and growing up with... You know, uh, so it's hope then, because that's the Nicholas pain. Sparks books. But that's the pain that we see as we get older: is we see these things built up for us when we're young, and then we get older and we realize. You know what I think? What you and I have come, we have seen very different, and we have had we have we have had very different experiences when it comes to what marriages look like. Oh, I don't know what marriage looks like. And I do. So you're coming at it from this different perspective of, I well, I, I don't mean to speak from you, for you, but maybe you're coming at this perspective of like, but that's, isn't not, that what everyone not what, no. wants? I'm, I'm trying to stay slightly removed from it. Okay. Because we all want to pursue, right, what we, what we want. But what I will say is... Female perspective. Oh, okay. Have you had the conscious thought of like, Allison, don't don't chase it because that's not life. No. No, because I. That's I, what I think is is hard as I've gotten older. Is you just that's where hope comes in, right? If we didn't have hope, then right, we would grow up. We would see all the 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 princess movies and all the, which I wasn't watching princess movies growing up, but we'd see like. My dad took me to so many movies growing up that I did see this, like, you know, life would be rolled out in a way of, like, you know, you you develop yourself as, as a man. You get the courage to go up to the woman. Mm. You start to develop those those feelings. You start to go out, and then it's just the world opens up. And then you get older, and it's like, all right, so... Do I keep my Tinder profile to one line, three lines? <laughs> How many emojis? What, what pictures do I put up? And it's yeah. just like, where the hell did we like take this turn from like this hopeful, inspiring life to like. So in life. your opinion, you think that meeting someone on a dating app makes life less, makes your love story less. Me personally, and I have to be very yeah. careful because I, I know that there are people out there that found somebody they couldn't ever imagine 
they'd ever be with. And they're living the best life. Side note on this, just to kind of keep everything in perspective, I was driving around for, for work one day, I think it was in Minnesota or something, and it was a beautiful day out. And I just thought to myself, today, and let's keep it relative, April 24th, 2021, somebody's having the best day of their life. Yeah. Somebody might also be having the worst day of their life. So anytime that I think this is my perspective, I always have to just remind myself in the world of dating apps, although I'm kind of in this like, you know, undecided middle, I don't know what to get out of them. Somebody did meet the best person they could have ever met on that app. Yeah. Somebody probably experienced the worst person they could have met on that app. Right. But for me, I just think about when you look at the grand scheme of it, do we all have that moment in life where we are challenged to say, how bad do you want to live the life you want to pursue? And what's the piece that says, do you have enough hope? Do you have enough inspiration? Do you have enough self-drive? And why does it seem like, what is that part of the journey? I don't know. It's still going back to those two binary thoughts that you that you have, where if you work hard enough for something, then it's going to happen versus being handed something. And so I think you're seeing dating apps as like, well, you're just handed somebody. So you aren't getting handed, quote, quote. You aren't getting the satisfaction of putting the work in, you know, knowing exactly what you want and being like, I'm going to go. And, you know, you just, you said a little earlier ago, I'm going to go, I'm going to put the work in. I'm going to go up. I'm going to talk to the pretty girl at the bar. I'm going to make it work. I'm going to make it happen versus, oh, she liked me too. I liked her. She messaged me. And then you almost go into so, that like conversation of let's find what connectors we have. Yeah. And then let that be the foundation, not the foundation of the fact that our lives led us to be at this bar at this moment or to be in friends with this friend group that connected me through your friend group. Yeah. So it's like all of these digital, you know, uh, landmarks, I guess, if you will, of like you just had a phone, they had a phone. But I guess technically, like they were at a point where they were at the app. I once told someone, I'll never forget this. It was like four years ago i brought this up to somebody and i said i don't know if realistically i ever want to end up with somebody on the app and they just said well curtis if you were on the app and they were on the app then didn't life both lead you to the app but there are so many other pieces that i feel like aren't available to like be in play mm -hmm. in life because it's just such a like, do you think that you maybe you know look it at is? it as like it's too easy here's what it is i don't like the fact that i go to my phone for like a certain number of things lots of things right it's we go to our phones tight, for so many things nowadays funnel. yeah but it's but realistically though it's what information uh gratification gratification validation is that information yeah. gratification validation validation i would say if you're bored so like just time killing would that be great no would that be gratification I think so. I'm thinking about like if you like are scrolling through Instagram, you get the gratification of like. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say that. But you really want to get into like I, I think that like body movement is kind of undervalued sometimes to like shift things in your in your mind. Hmm. Everything kind of works together. So if you really want to like break it down, you know, I didn't have to go anywhere to meet somebody. Whereas if like I had to lay there, but like, that's not bed, entirely like, true though, because meeting someone on an app is not the same as sitting down with them at a bar somewhere. 
No, but I'm saying if I like was hanging out on the weekend, I'm like, all right, self-talk. All right, Curtis. <laughs> you got to you got to get up, man. You got to mm-hmm. go do something. That feeling is the anti like going to your phone is the anti that lay here do nothing right on your app yeah just relax you know yeah i'd agree with that so and you're seeing it as a negative thing you're saying it as one thing is better than the other in your perspective, would you agree with well, that? Well, because what I found is that if you go into it with like the the lazy, you know, quote unquote, like lazy nature of it, then that's the positive reinforcement. I One found could you, argue I though that it's not a late. lazy thing because you had to put in work and effort to build this profile. I mean, this is so <laughs> you had to put in this effort to make this profile, put a these things Bio aren't talked together. about, okay? Yeah. Okay. There is effort put into dating apps, regardless of how, quote, lazy, unquote, it is to sit there with your thumb going left, right, based on how somebody looks. But I might as well go to, like, speed dating and, like, a local mixer. Yeah, but even that, you're actually getting up and moving. You're, like, physically moving your body to a different location. I know, location. but would I ever be... I, I guess the question would be, would I ever feel comfortable with meeting... A future wife at a speed dating event right which because one's that's better essentially i just took that's more just, courage that's to go just, to that that's just dating apps in manifested into yeah. reality would i like be comfortable with yeah okay next conversation yep okay next five minutes later five minutes yeah. later dating i guess if you didn't find them in high school you're pretty much screwed or college yeah, I'm but then you... I'm kidding. It's, that's pessimistic. I'm kidding. Yeah. Dating. Dating, dating, dating apps. Dating, dating. Yeah. Well, I haven't been on Hinge. You, you... Yeah. You said that that's an interesting one. <laughs> no, I'm not... No authority. Okay. I'm no authority. No authority. I just have my own experiences on all of these so different dating apps. you've dated more than me. Yeah. Because you've been more courageous than me. Well, okay, maybe. You, we can we can say that. But you're more classy courageous. about it. You know what I'm oh, saying? Oh, thank I you. I don't want to sit that. here and be like, well, you've been out a lot. Like, that's not <laughs> what I'm saying. Right, right. You just, you, you're strong in who you are. You go out and meet different people. Yeah. So, yeah. what are some of the, what are, what are some of the tellable nights? Oh, man. Okay, let's break it down. Let's okay. compartmentalize. What okay. are some of the do's? What oh. are some of the don'ts? <laughs> of, of just going on, just actually dating? Like You're when, asking me like for dating when advice? When you look back at the, the I guess, the, the chapter that is dating of your life. Yeah. What are things that stand out? You're like, oh, I don't know why this kept popping up, but just don't do it. Mm. Or things that you started to notice. Now, I'm no authority, but... This is your life, though. I think... Right. I think that I have learned to... (laughs) This... Okay, some of these are going to be a little bit, like, kind of joking, not really real. But I think I have learned about myself, and we kind of touched on this, is I'm six foot two tall. I'm 
six feet and two inches tall, which is taller than over 95% of the male population in the entire world. So there's a, I have a very small sample size right. that I <laughs> like to choose from because yeah. I like to go out with people who are taller than me. Not people who are shorter, not really people who are the same height. It's just a preference. Everybody's different. I have friends who are also as tall as me who date shorter guys. I just don't. So I have realized that when a guy says six feet on his profile, he is a hard 5'10". Okay. And if a guy says six foot two, he's a hard six feet. But anyone who's taller than 6'2 is honest. Wow, okay. So, like, if a guy's 6'3", he'll say 6'3". 6'5", he'll say 6'5". Okay. Like, I have never met somebody who's 6'4", actually, and is like, I'm 6'6". Because there is no need. Right. So, I'll just say that. And I think a lot of girls have figured this out, too. Like, there's a lot of girls who are like, well, he's got to be over 6 feet. If a guy says 6.0 on his dating app, he's definitely 5'10 or 5'11". Okay. So there's that that I've realized. Okay. Second thing with kind of the do's and don'ts is the best thing to do is to actually just meet them. Like don't spend weeks and weeks and weeks talking on the app. If you are into somebody and you, you know, are getting along and you want to meet them in person, try to get the, like start the texting part sooner rather than later because otherwise if you keep going on the app it'll just fizzle out it'll and just, you'd, like, you'd much die out. Pref- you'd much rather prefer asking a number instead of like an instagram or a snapchat that's a good point i only give my number to people that i'm like okay i actually think that i want to go out with you somewhere and not just like hang out with you like a conversation like a good conversationalist Right. You'll give the number to. Yeah. So the Snapchat is really for the guys that I'm like, I really don't have any intention of meeting up with you. But you're here in to, a date but type of setting. But you're also like saying, well, I, you know, I like to kill some time on, on these apps, too. So I might as yeah. well just take it over to Snapchat. Yeah. 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 I would agree with that. And some other things. I mean, I it was... I, it's pretty telling, honestly, like, from a first date, you know, first dates tell you a lot. Yeah. And if there's no second date, there's always a reason why. I just love the idea that I can be over here in my little bubble, and I can think all these things about how my life is, and then I can go and meet someone, and you really don't have any idea, like, how you might be coming across, or how that person you know, maybe experiences they've been through, how they're like, I can't believe that they just said that because that reminds me of this. Yeah. That's the fun of it is you start to kind of navigate through like other people's experiences and you get to, yeah. And you have those connecting moments, but you do. It's always for me. And those are always really fun. Yeah. Meeting like people and then having them kind of inner interwoven in the framework of like your past or like your experiences. And you can look back on and be like, ah, met that person they were really great and i wish nothing but the best for them there's obviously the opposite as well but you know we always like to hold on to kind of the positive ones i think oh who's we just uh i don't know the female population sure yeah the royal we the royal we well i guess the uh 
I like to, I always like to tie it into, these are always great perspectives to have on like some of like the societal norms that we live through. Dating life is very, you know, kind of day-to-day thing that we live. It's very pro, it's very prevalent in our day-to-day lives, especially at our age, I think. Yeah. But to take a kind of an elevated view on it, do you think consciously that when you're seeking somebody to date and then to develop a relationship with that you're thinking about how that person would be as a parent or how they would be when you're older oh where do those thoughts kind of exist for you and and you know sounds like you've had them yeah, that's a great that's a great question cuz this is something that I actually just realized about myself is I am like an all or nothing type of girl or I used to be. I should say I used to be. It's something that I have learned, I think, now to not be. But when I go into something, it's like both feet in. And I think I try to do this in every aspect of my life where I like don't half ass anything. So, and I think I get that from college athletics, honestly. It's like, you, why would you, you can't half-ass anything. You have yeah. to go for it. You, yeah. you have to. There's you get no, hurt if you hesitate. You get hurt if you hesitate. You get kicked out of that seat. Someone takes your spot. You're, you, you know, you, you get, you have one shot kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so I have gone into previous relationships and this kind of might go into some of my, you know, naivete about dating when I was younger but I would kind of go in and be like, okay, well, this is it. Like, if I'm dating someone, then I have to end up with them. You're getting great with this person. Yeah, like, we're, we're, we're going to have kids, whole nine yards, picket fence, house in the suburbs, all that good things. It's done. Instead of actually just taking, instead of actually just being like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What if you just view this person as somebody who is in your life, to do things with, to have experiences with, to get to know, and basically just like have a really good friend, you know, and then see what happens. People hate hearing that. No, I know, but but wouldn't the worst, the the worst part be like, not, but I'm not trying to say it as a friend zone, because I think every strong relationship, you have to be friends first. You can't just have all of the like romance side of things. But you take a second to like say, this is what I see, and they're like, a friend. No, Okay, let me. Let I want me someone who's attracted that. to me. I want That's somebody who, who wants to do things with me. Uh, aside from shaking hands and and hugging and and j- I want someone who's gonna go on romantic evenings with me. And I want to have all that. I wanna, I wanna be on The Bachelor. <laughs> I want to go on those extravagant dates. So how so do I, you have I don't those think conversations? That I, so because I, people hate hearing that. I've been in those situations where I thought, great, I'm going to take this perfect route of they're going to love this because I'm going to say, listen, before we get into anything serious, let's just be friends. Because if you're really someone I got to be with, not got to, get to, I get to be with for my entire life, I better be best friends with you. But if it's just built on like, dare I say, lust. Yeah. So while I think you make a great point, I think that my point didn't come across very clearly. So let me okay. take a step back and let me re let me let me explain. Just from my experience. Okay. Not an authority. My experience. Every like relationship I've had that was consistent in 
you know, dating for a couple months or actually in a relationship, you know, had the label, the whole nine yards. I was like, I always had that thought of what are they going to be like as a parent? What is it going to be like to meet their family? What is it going to be like when I become the daughter-in-law, the sister-in-law? And what age were all those thoughts flooding? Like early, early 20s. Okay. You know, like 19 to like 21, 22. And it wasn't, honestly, it wasn't until my previous relationship ended and the relationship I had after that ended where I kind of realized this about myself where I was like, you just go, again, jumping to conclusions, right? You just go like zero to 60 and it's all in my head and it's it takes away from just the the present really instead of just enjoying where we are now and just for for myself why get so caught up with the future that you aren't even focusing on like how you actually feel about them and i think that's yeah. that's something that happened in one of my previous relationships where i was so caught up in the future with this person that I didn't even stop to think about, am I even happy every single day? So it's very interesting you said that because it (laughs) reminds me of, well, two things. So directly to it was when I had, I I was in a three-year relationship in college and it ended, the mind does a crazy thing where it'll start to like plan, it plans for the future and it starts to get these ideas of like how things are going to go and it creates this like almost personal roadmap for you and when that when it's with somebody because you almost like develop that future it's like two minds having at it and you're creating this future together and you're hinting at these things and then when one of those people says hey i'm out peace yeah which by the way qualm with the the woman pop you women careful i know but i've seen it multiple times so i know it's a thing you will plan in your head. You will like get, you will remove yourself months before. Slowly, but steady and slowly and surely. Yeah. You will remove yourself from a relationship. So by the time you actually say deuces, you're sitting pretty. Now you still feel the pain of not being around that person because you're not going to be talking to them every day. But it is a blindside and a half. And it makes me feel as stupid as I think sometimes men are when it comes to emotional awareness. As much as I'd like to think I can kind of stay in tune with things. Yeah. You guys are the the holders of that key. But I was going to ask, and I was thinking it when you were going through uh, your cancer stories, what was something that you had to keep telling yourself because you were given a clock. Now, the cancer you had, it, it was kind of like, it's treatable, you just have to go through these things. Yeah. But when I got broken up with in college, it was almost like this future that I had for myself erased. Yeah. And my life was a black hole up until like I couldn't get past it. It was the weirdest thing. It was so, it was all in my head and I was just like I honestly can't think past graduation. Mhm. Because I thought that I'd stay out in Wyoming. I thought that I'd stay in the West. I cannot Physically, mentally, I can't do it. I don't know what it is. And then the rebuilding happens. Redirect. Yeah, it's like you have to go back to the drawing board. You have to do all that. So 
to hear you say that you understand that there is like the you get caught up in the future. I'm right there. I, I'm I agree with you because I think it's so easy to do that. But then do you go autopilot? Do you just like keep chasing after this this existence that's not there? But that's inspiring in itself because it's like you dream of the dream house. You you dream of, you know, what that's going to look like. It goes back to the balance part of it, too. The balance of I working. To, I know. It sucks. Yeah. It's working towards something that you want and you see for yourself versus how the chips kind of land, how the cards kind of fall, and what do you do with that afterwards? Yeah. Yeah. So. I, but then I think of, okay, so if if you've been, there are people that I think, but I mean, that's interesting to me. So I'll talk to, to people who, like in the middle of the conversation, they'll just be like, your mind doesn't stop, man. You just keep thinking and think. And it's, I'm not, I'm not a genius. I'm an idiot. I, I think of things where I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Like it took me that long to realize that. Um, I once got in an argument with someone because I didn't know that Chinese people spoke Mandarin. I oh, thought not they spoke Chinese. Chinese. Oh no. I am an idiot. No. Do you know the other language that? Uh, no. Cantonese. Cantonese. Yeah. Seriously. And then there's dialects throughout China as well. Like I, I'm I'm a dummy. I remember I can count probably on two hands before I was in high school how many books I read. You know, yeah. like I'm not, you know, this world. I'm no, you know. So, uh, just the um, where was I going with that? See, can't lost my train of thought. That's how that's how ingenious I am. But uh, yeah. So I'm just, you know what it is? I'm, I'm just, You're just really, getting caught up in no, the future. No, I'm really embarrassed about that Chinese thing. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> we can't. so bad. We all learn things. We all learn new things every day. Yeah. We're getting caught up in, in you know, the future and everything. And, um, and it definitely, I mean, that's why getting, you know, broken up with or when relationships end, it's so like usually it's so tragic like it's just it's this whole other piece of you that is just gone and i think we've talked about it too it's like all it's like they're it's not just usually if it's in a relationship it's not just you and them it's the families the friends yeah the the holidays the experiences yeah. the, the trips that you've gone on and all of that and it's sometimes it's hard to come to grips with well how is that worth it and what did it all mean and all that stuff and yeah you get a lot out of it i mean you learn definitely and and you know some of those relationships that i've been in it was interesting to see that you got to break some of the clinging tendencies that you have and you can't get too caught up but i know that i yeah you know i've i have pursued the idea of you know making a perfect relationship because i just know as it's it's I don't mean to be insensitive by saying it, but as a child, as a byproduct of two people that, for whatever reason, didn't find that, it leads to a lot of uh, missed uh, connections with the kids you grew up with because, you know, they're coming from all these different environments. But, uh, you know, to kind of take that and, and it, you know, explode on that a little bit to kind of a grand scheme of things is I was listening to that audiobook. And just the idea that here I am choosing to give myself to the idea that 
I do believe in something like the Big Bang. I do believe in, in that being the point of creation because it just it's that grounding to it. It's like if for nothing else, I'm connected to something bigger than me, to something that's going to be here after I'm gone. And it just makes it takes so much pressure off of me feeling like it almost gives to me that I get to enjoy life. Life is such a crazy thing to begin with. Why would I think I have to stress about anything? Because it's so much bigger than me. And so that made me realize that because I'm choosing to believe that that's kind of where things started and, and how things are, are going to go, there are people that believe completely different other things. Mm-hmm. So to think that we can get into some topics of, and try to see eye to eye, like to watch the news and to even think about like people who are on these main stages who can like maintain this one singular um, presentation just is mind blowing to me because we, everybody has a different starting line. Mm-hmm. Everybody comes from a different beginning mm-hmm. and then we still somehow find these, these commonalities why wouldn't you want to bury yourself in figuring out like what that is and like that, how crazy is that yeah infinite well 7.7 <laughs> billion possibilities give or take a couple hundred thousand because i don't think babies are talking much these days yep and then you develop these like you know shared experiences so relationships to me, these dating apps to me, they're just so interesting because we do put pressure on it. I do think there's a huge, there, at least for the the Western world, mm-hmm. you know, you talk about their uh, religions with arranged marriages and right. you have things like that. Right. And it's a whole different world that yeah. exists out there. For the Western culture, we do have this kind of like, this is who, it's kind of like, this is who I am. This is who you are. This is who we are. Yeah. Let's live this life together. I like that little sing song. Yeah. That's great. And you kind of like, I'm just sitting here and I'm thinking, okay, so if that's one option, are there others? And I'm very glad that. And you like that thought, the the hope thought. That, I love hope. Yeah. That there are other options. Yeah. Yeah. I guess the question is. Do you think that you get so caught up in the idea or maybe would would you think that you would get so caught up in the idea of there are other options to then not use the re- like the resources, the options you have now? So the first thing I, I don't even know if I'm going to answer this correctly, but all I thought about was timing is that I think that right now I'm in a time in my life where I, I do have options. Yeah. But then I'll talk to people where it's just they're at a place in their life where they were just ready yeah and so this might just be a fun exercise for me which is we were talking about this earlier another psa not an authority here but something that just was brought to my attention with just a another perspective of um you know someone had a similar thought to something that i had and then it seemed like it had developed into something more and more i always this is I guess, personal service announcement for myself, just, you know, as I listen back to this and and I hear it, thoughts that pop in your head that you feel very inspired by, try to get it as close to action as you can, but realize that it might just be a very, very good mental exercise. 
and a very good mental activity. Because as soon as it shifts from this thing that's just like mentally stimulating and it kind of throws you in a whirl for a second that can kind of uh, provide some guidance, Mm -hmm. you might have to leave it there because the second you start to take direction with it, 100 miles an hour, you, I think, become a little uh, disconnected from, (laughs) you know, wherever you were before that thought popped up. So uh, that's something that just, you know, you talk yeah. I asked you like what centers you, what balances you. That's something that that seems to to center me is just, you know, having the mental breaks sometimes and just knowing that you don't always have to like, you know, prove every single thought that comes into your head. Right. Sometimes it's a nice thought to, you know. Right. Yeah. You to know? kind of masticate on for a little bit and then masticate. Yeah, it's like What's chew. Masticate? That's like just like let it like chew like chewing. Chewing. Yeah. Masticate. Yeah. That's a new word for you. That is a new word. Like you can kind of, yeah, just let it kind of tumble around in your brain a little bit and then let it go. Actually, brought this kind of brings me to a thought and something that my mom always says about emotions, like emotions that we feel, is that not every emotion you have, you have to, I guess, let it become something. Like you can watch emotions g- pass by, like wavelengths. Yeah. So like you can, you know, Tony recognize Robbins it. <laughs> okay. Well, maybe. Okay. Maybe she got it from Tony Robbins. I don't know. Your I, mom's a Tony Robbins fan, isn't she? I don't think she knows who that is, but okay. we can say so. Um, but you know, anger, disappointment. You know, you can just watch those emotions go by, and you don't necessarily have to pick them out or like pick them oh. up. And Get out. So, uh, <laughs> and let it like listened, manifest. You listen to Max's, Max and, and my conversation. Yeah. We were talking about healthy dissociation and like what that is. Okay. Yeah. That's called yeah. the Gestalt method. There's the thing for it about it's emotions. Take, no, it's, it's called the Gestalt method. And it's this guy who's talking about the Big Bang and everything is in order to comprehend time, you have to use what's called the Gestalt method. And it's taking a, a step back. And viewing it differently. Yeah. And that's what I think is kind of, you feel an emotion, but you don't have to connect with it. Yeah. And he used the example of an ant on an elephant, where if you have this colony of ants that's crawling on an elephant. Yeah. The ants are going to see these huge, these dunes, these valleys uh, from the elephant's wrinkles. And it's dry, rough skin. But if for somehow you got a little ant helicopter down there and you're like, hey, let's go for a ride. And you start to take that ant off the elephant's surface yeah it's gonna see this like dune existence turn into a huge mass and it might be like what we see when we're in a plane oh there's my neighbor's house there's whatever you keep going now it's this moving figure and that's the gestalt method is it's taking a perspective and it's just voluntarily wow that took two and a half hours for me that, when I heard that, I'm like, four days go by after Max and I were like, what is it called when you <laughs> have to associate? And then, you know, so the, he's got an English accent. So the Gestalt method yeah. is when you remove yourself. And I'm like, <laughs> get out. Wow. That's awesome. Got excited there. Yeah. I no. got excited. That was great. The Gestalt method. Yep. It's fun to say. Gestalt. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's a good technique, though. Isn't it great that just... there are great minds that came before us to explain thoughts that we had yeah. as well? Yeah. I think that's great. That's something that's really cool that. that we... I don't understand that. Get to look, get to experience that. You were telling me a story about Greek mythology, and I think that that's wild. Yeah. But I think... Here's, here's my big... You know, I haven't looked into... You know, I should probably read more before I just throw out a theory about Greek mythology. Not an authority. Okay. But I think that Greek mythology was the best... Uh, way that they could start understanding parts of the brain because well the Greek, and the world the Greek, it's not yeah. just the brain it's the world but there are greek gods that when you hear about descriptors like that sounds like this feeling which is what they did you're absolutely right yeah but it's just like their story science yeah you know it's their way of comprehending the world when you were t- telling and me about the feelings that they experienced what cupid and who was the cupid and psyche Cupid and Psyche, that to me sounds like the relationship between mind and heart. Is that the heart seems to have this like hold on. Which is true. Like, don't don't ever look at me. I'm just always going to be here. Yeah. I'm going to give you what you need. But don't ever look at me or else I'm, I'm gone. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it feels like you just have to kind of listen for it. You kind of have to think, you know. So just the relationship between mind and heart. So as you're telling that story, I'm like, that's just crazy that. Great minds have come before us. Yeah. That's just kudos to human beings. <laughs> Shout out to human beings. Shout out to human beings. Shout out HB. <laughs> okay. Not sponsored. Yeah. So I always ask this. Did you have fun? Of course. Did you have fun? Yeah. Is it something you'd like to do again? Yeah, I think we got a little bit sidetracked. We did. With my cancer story, which is totally you think, fine. You think that was sidetracked? Well, no, maybe not sidetracked. Maybe a little bit of a... See, I see it as like when we... Return. When we first... Because it was like, how do we meet? Okay. And then... <laughs> Recap. You, you flush like anybody who has been on dating apps. They're going to think about all those like non... Those forgettable conversations they had. Mm. And yet here we are. And maybe they do have people that they connect with, which is great. But it's possible to have like very real connecting. You know, sometimes with the amount of people that are on these apps, it's hard to feel like. Do you really comprehend how many people you see on these apps? Like how many lives you like pictures of people, how many lives people are living? It kind of numbs you a little bit when you're like. Same with social media. I feel like it's just so easy many. Just to scroll. It's just how can you possibly see that many different shots of people living a life and like not explode? Right. It's like, oh, oh my Lord. Right. But we're chipping away at it. Yeah. Very real. Yeah. So that was fun. The longest one I've done. Yeah. Two hours and nearly 20 minutes. Wow. Lucy didn't bump the microphone. We'll have to see what noises got picked up. Yep. And it's a beautiful day outside. Yeah, it's a great Saturday. It was a great Saturday. So with that, we finally got on one. Yeah. Thanks. We did it. Yeah. We thanks for it. having me. And I would like, so I'm going to do a solo one where I talk about what happened in Moline, Illinois. Yep. Stay tuned. And then if you want to add to that on maybe a second one we do, you can add some details there too. Sure. Thank you, Allison. 
Thank you, Curtis. Bye-bye now.